everybody. Welcome to episode 268 of the Go Gorilla Filmcast, your source for all things indie film and more. I am one of your hosts, Sashim Dumont. I am another host, Paul Robinson. I'm very excited today. We finally have a guest again. We do. You don't have to listen to us yakking about film reviews and SAG and crap like that. Yeah, right. Writers and blah, blah, blah. Um, Writers, who needs them? Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. Um, but we're excited to, to have you on the show today. But uh, why don't we let you introduce yourself? Yes. Uh, tell us who you are and, uh, you what know, you, what, what you do on this what planet. You do. Okay. Um, hello. Thanks for having me on. My name is Allison Starlock. I am a writer director. I wrote, uh, the feature film, The Apology that came out in December. It's a psychological thriller and, uh, yeah, otherwise I don't know. I'm a horror hound, been making films for a long time, short films and, uh, special needs mom, my kids on the spectrum. So I'm an advocate for that stuff and, uh, I really love, uh, Chipotle. Yeah, I don't know All what right. else to do. Okay. <laughs> What's not to love? <laughs> you know? <laughs> All good I things. I wouldn't call it an addiction, but it's not far from one. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, we don't judge here. So. <laughs> we just got ourselves a Chipotle. Congratulations. Well, it's over um, over by the bank. That's a Taco Bell, sir. Oh, is it? And I'm going to pretend you didn't confuse those two. So wait, do we not have a Chipotle? No, and stop saying Chipotle. You're not Bobby Flay. <laughs> that's, that's how I like to say it. It's God. my favorite way up. Oh, I'm thinking of salsa Please fresca. Say it over again. Salsa fresca. Yeah, that's yeah. not it either. We have no. everything but a Chipotle. Chipotle. <laughs> Chipotle is superior to them. Taco yeah. Bell's. Yeah, you have to go to Poughkeepsie for that. Mm. Danbury. Oh yeah. So, okay, so. Um, Riveting. <laughs> <laughs> Starting off with a bang. Um, so I really wanted to have you on the show because, uh, you know, we we make short films and we've not uh, dove into the future world yet. Uh, just because we've always made shorts and that's just, you know, what we prefer to do. But I would like expensive. to do. Yeah, I would like to do a future. That, I was going to say, I think I know the answer to that. Yeah. <laughs> it's not that I can't write a feature. It's just that I can't money. afford one. Always money. Um, but, you know, you, you did a lot of short films and this is your, your first feature. Yes. So I, I'm. I, learn us. How did this? How did this happen? <laughs> <laughs> That's the best question I've gotten. Learn us. Um, I I love talking about process. So this is fun. I love your podcast for that reason. It's so fun to talk about the the detail of that. So uh, basically, I went to film school at USC. I made a whole bunch of shorts. I worked with friends on their films. I worked as a reality story producer for a long time. Okay. And uh, then I stayed home with my daughter and then turned out that she was diagnosed uh, with autism and she needed a lot of help. So I stayed home with her for a while, um, advocate for years, advocating for her, taking her to therapies. And all the time I was writing, I just always was writing. And so I just still wrote things. And I finally was like, she's doing better and I really need to get back to work. Mm. So I went, um, I had written The Apology and I had been workshopping it with friends and I went to visit my friend Stacy Jorgensen who became a producer on the film. And I said, you know, I have this script. I would really like to get back to making things. Uh, could you read it and just tell me if you know somebody who would like it? Because she was a producer at that point already in this sort of genre horror mm -hmm. space, which is where I love to live. Mm -hmm. And so she, she was like, of course. And so she read it. And like the next day or something really soon, she called me and was like, I want to produce it. 
No. And I want to try to bring it to my company. And so this is the fairy tale part of the story because the rest of it was super hard. But the oh, is, fairy is tale it that easy? It, <laughs> I was going to say, yeah. is, is she looking for new friends? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. Would, would she like the, to make more friends? The thing I always tell people, though, about this story is it's like it did remind me that it's like you put so much effort sometimes into trying to I think it is good to always build out community to like help mm-hmm. with each other's work, to mm-hmm. get to know each other uh, and read stuff and do all that stuff. But that but then in doing so it's like then pay attention to who's already in your community like right. talk to each other about making stuff as opposed to necessarily always kind of um networky mm-hmm. kind of stuff yeah you know like think about what you already have in your life yeah i mean that's kind of where we always struggle is um is community and networking and 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 all that fun stuff i mean we have the podcast we meet lots of people through there but uh you know we're not the type of people that are going to be like emailing you every week being like hey read this do you want to give us money for this that you know what i mean we're just very very horrible at selling ourselves and so <laughs> we go to festivals and people are like hey why should i watch a movie i'm like i don't know why do you don't, watch any movie don't i watch mean it. That's i don't just, care that's, you know and so it's subjective yeah, you went, know <laughs> i think it's a, I, I went through the same thing though just to reassure you like i did the same thing where i was like well it's fine you know i just look back and i'm like i wrote like crazy i made things and i was just i wasn't pushing it mm-hmm. and i think mm-hmm. a lot of it was like just having the 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 confidence to be like uh what i'm making and what i'm writing matters to me enough that i have to push it out there that's my job that's a big part of the job is to push it out there and just to realize that we all want to do the same things in terms of like we all want to be a part of this community we all want to back each other up we all want you know help Mm -hmm. and so you know just knowing that it's like hey we're all in the same boat it's okay you're not being gross right don't you know? Don't email somebody every week. Right, 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 right. <laughs> like, so bi-weekly then know. we're talking. But yes, yes, you know, like much more often is what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. So I think it's it's just remembering like you know put together like because I feel very shy about the same stuff where it's just like just put together your short spiel about what this thing is and don't worry so much about uh, not every case is a case where you have to do some full on pitch. Yeah, know? yeah. I think it's so much of it is because you know for me anyway. I get so jealous of when I see somebody that has a film that may not be, um, I don't know how I say this politely, very good. (laughs) Nailed Uh, it. You know, and I see them just just with the the confidence, uh, just so much confidence going out there and selling themselves and selling the film. And I'm so jealous of it. And, And I guess it's because the artistic side the artist side of me takes over and it's like everything you make is crap don't talk about it everyone's <laughs> gonna know you're a fraud and blah 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 and so yeah. the minute i'm like hey watch our film it's great like nice to meet you what's your film and blah, blah and all this stuff it's it's really hard for me because I, I feel fake doing it because i don't believe in what i made because you know when you're an artist it's really hard to be content with <laughs> yes. any creation you know and so yes um, that is a, definitely a struggle Artists for a lot are either of us. Underconfident or overconfident. Yeah, it's, like one of those yeah two. <laughs> it's really hard to find it. But when you do have someone like yourself that balances that really well, yeah. um, it's really kind of um, you know, it's really it's really astonishing because it's so hard to to do that. You know, it really is. And it, it, but I will say this, like um, for yourselves and anybody listening, it's like I I, I have never met. Um, somebody, I'll put it this way, somebody whose work I respect, uh, that I particularly love and connect with that, that, um, doesn't feel all the things you were just saying. I mean, we all feel the imposter syndrome thing is absolutely so real. 
but I also like to think of it as an occupational necessity and hazard. Mm -hmm. So it's sort of like the humility involved in that is important for making something great, Mm -hmm. but it's also for, you know, examining the human condition, we must be humble, right? So it's like, inevitably, you're going to have a little bit of that. But on the flip side, I also think, you know, I just started thinking, you know, why not me? You know, there's definitely right. people who are more talented and people who are less talented or more experienced and less experienced. And I don't know, you know, the compare game is, is deadly and unnecessary. So mm-hmm. I think it's like the more you just go, you know, I'm just going to do my thing and also tout the stuff that I'm getting moved by or my friends are making and, and try to focus on that as much as possible. And remember, like, if you have a voice and you have a reason to get to make things, yeah. you know, just as much as somebody else, there's always going to be schmoozy networky overly pitchy mm-hmm. fairly shallow work kind of folks like you kind of yeah. just have to go good for you i'm glad that you have the skill to go sell things it's mm-hmm. you know easier than you have the skill necessarily to make something super moving yeah. but it's like hey you know we all have our talents yeah i think it's like and a try left- not to do it alone too yeah like, do it with your friends yes you know yeah it's, it's definitely a left brain right brain kind of thing you know we're trying to get them to work sure. together um but yeah i mean like community and and like we're we're in New York, and so we're, um, you know, close enough to the city where we have access, but not close enough where we can like work there every day, sort of thing. So, um, uh, yeah, you know, we, there's not it's a harder. Yeah, yeah, it's the the community is smaller, and there's not as many people, and there's a whole lot of ego in it. A lot of, <laughs> as you probably know better than us, just the amount of ego that you deal with on in in really any job, but this one in particular, I think, is. Uh, kind of renowned for it and and so it's tough to kind of break through that to find people that are like-minded right because you already have a small community and now within that community you're going to deal with probably 70 percent of them that just think that they're too good for you or whatever name your reason right and so um yeah you just gotta like you just gotta like now we've made a, a commitment with our last couple films to get to those film festivals to meet people to watch things and to try to Good. get a little yeah. bit more involved so we're way behind the eight ball on that because we've been making films forever and so i feel like i'm pitching to you but anyway <laughs> i'm just rambling no, at no. this point does, I, does she want to give I, you money what's no, going no, on no here? no no not at all i'm just saying I didn't like get that. i didn't get that feeling at all don't okay. worry about it i see I, there I, it is I, I, that's I, already <laughs> starting <laughs> No, I think I think what you're talking about is like it is like um, you know L.A. I'm, I'm L.A. based, mm-hmm. and a lot of L.A. folks sometimes romanticize the idea of living in a smaller place, in like a smaller city mm-hmm. or a town, because mo- whenever we have made things in other si- like smaller cities or towns, they are usually pretty psyched we're there, mm-hmm. and so it does make it a lot easier. You don't necessarily have to have permits for every single thing. Yeah. You don't, you know, you yeah. you have a lot more people willing to let you film there. You have a lot more support in that way than in LA everything costs right. yeah. money you know yeah. so I was like surprise we're gonna you know expect this fee and uh, but I think the flip side of that is like you're saying where it's like uh, it's it's harder if you don't find your people but the other thing I, I did learn along the way is like you do have to kind of be a leader in that way you have to say this is the you know I think when it comes to filmmaking especially the director's job is partly being like we are making this do you want to join the party and just right. keep start start making the movie yeah you know and as much as you can without money there's a lot of stuff you can do until you get to the money stage mm-hmm. and i think that does help get the money oh, if for you sure, can be yeah. like see we've I've learned how to do everything my... without money yeah. <laughs> or yeah, very like little money yeah 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 and just also things like you know your pitch deck you can make your pitch deck you need to do that or something like that to make your film anyway you know make your 
casting wish lists if it's your friends or stars or some combination you know like do all that stuff make yourself playlists to help with your composer think about who your composer would be and if it's like your you or your buddy in town great and if you want you know these days you can also do a lot of collaboration over uh over zoom and stuff a lot right. of the work that we did was that way our composer for the apology ul lamore who is fantastic excuse me she lives in paris like i've never mm. met her Right. So, you know, you can do a lot of work. Our post producer, I have met, thankfully, a few times, but he lives in um, Thailand now. He was in Cambodia at the time. Hmm. So there's just, there's a lot of work that you can do with folks online. So I would encourage folks to think about that kind of thing. I mean, obviously, that's more for post, but I mean, you also can look at movies like, what is it, Host or The Host, the English mm-hmm. film, mm-hmm. where they did that completely during lockdown yeah so obviously that's an extreme example i never like being the person who's like you should make a movie like blair witcher saw (laughs) what's the big problem like just pick up a camera i hate i think that's very exclusionary but i think that there is a certain aspect of that that is inspirational sure yeah because even when people say like every phone has a camera on it you can go it's like well that Mm -hmm. phone is still a thousand dollars you know so it's true if you you don't already have an iphone then you know and also shooting with an iphone to make it look really special and beautiful and different is still money and talent and skill and time but i know but i do oh go ahead no um, please all right (laughs) i was gonna say over the years of having the podcast i mean uh, how we've gotten guests on also is just um i just have the 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 mindset of like i'm gonna ask this person and the yeah. worst they can say is no if they're not interested or 100%. they don't answer or they well, will. the worst they can say is don't ever contact me again. I'm blacklisting you <laughs> from the entire I've industry. Listen to that show. Yeah. Absolutely not. That's the worst one, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, we've gotten some uh, really crazy guests that I just thought like there's no way. I mean, when I reached out to Jody Lee Lipes and I reached out to Jessica Lee uh, Gagne, nice. who's my favorite DP, I was like, there's no way in hell this woman's going to come on this show. But then there's also... You know, the whole like we just went through this recently because one of we got an email from a film fest that uh, that we're going to be in in October. And they were like, thank you. And they were like, uh, you know, so we have one pass and we're only we were only kind of really interested in like one person on the panel being the director, of course. And uh, but, you know, I I guess if there's two of you, you could both be on. And I'm like, listen, (laughs) I I've co-directed i've directed before i you know i act and i I write and all that and it's uh i i found that when especially dps they're usually like oh heck yeah i'll come talk to you because nobody seems to care yes who the dp is you know and i'm like it's freaking jody lee lipes and and jessica lee kenny like have you seen these people's work like it it's really (laughs) stunning to me and it's it's a one i was just talking to one of my friends about this the other day that the the very surreal experience of being the director and especially the writer director of a movie and then realizing when you get to the press stage of things nobody cares about the rest of your crew Mm -hmm. like they care about you and your actors and that's it and it's so startling because you're just like but i there's no way I make this movie without all of those people. Like, right. don't you care about what they did? And so <laughs> right. I end up, I end up talking about them more than myself sometimes. Which then people are like, "Oh, you're deferring credit or whatever." I'm like, "I can't, I, yeah. you can't <laughs> win that way." But it's like uh, because it is just so. That's what's so fun about making a movie is like all these other you know mega talented, super smart people that mm-hmm. are you know, lifting each other up. And it's just, it was so moving, like to go from like being home for so long to getting to make my first feature with these like master artists all around me. 
I mean, what a gift. How could I not want to talk about it all the time? Yeah, right. But I think that's the thing. It's really, really easy to um, to feel like you can't contact somebody. Like, it's like it's a strange thing. And it's mm-hmm. like, what does it matter? It's, yeah. a, it's an email. It's a message. It's a yeah. DM. Like, you know, be respectful. And, you know, other than that, why not? Yeah. You know, yeah. be specific with your ask. Like, asking somebody to be on a podcast is a very specific, accessible ask. Yeah. You know, like, hey, will you Zoom with me for half an hour is a very specific, yeah. acceptable ask. You know, so it's like, I mean, I've had some people who were like, will you consider um, directing my uh, my script? And they send me the script and the synopsis. And then they're like, I haven't seen your film yet. And I'm like, um, <laughs> there's a lot that's wrong with that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I have noticed, too, to 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 bring back a, a point you just made about working with talented people is like we found even within our smaller kind of uh, you know level that we're on is that people will. Um, people are willing to work with you at either a discounted rate or maybe for free if if they like your stuff and it's good. And so, you know, as long as they know yes. that you are, you know, that you are passionate about what you're doing and that you're in this more than they are, um, then, you know, that is a very attractive quality to somebody, especially t- today, like a lot of the bigger uh, people that have access to bigger films and that work on those bigger films, a lot of those can tend to be really kind of just cut and paste and boring. And so when a when a passionate project comes up, a lot of times they're willing to kind of be involved in it because they, they love – it brings them back to why they started to do this, and that's the love of making the art. And so I feel like that is – it's surprising how, how, how accessible a lot of these people are. Yeah. I think, and yes. then also like being <laughs> – which is, my, like I said, my – I'm my worst critic, right? You know, so it's having to approach. Oh, yeah. It's like I, I have to, I have to put on my actor's cap when I talk to someone and go like, "I'm confident. I'm confident." They have to fe- believe that I'm confident, <laughs> right? Because they're yes. gonna be like, "Why would I work with you? <laughs> you don't seem to really believe not, in what you're doing." Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, but our uh, God, I forgot his name. The colorist. Oh, uh, Alistair. Alistair. Alastair. Uh, yeah. Uh, he, he said to me like, "Oh, I, I, I found a colorist and." I was like, oh, well, what's he done? And he was like, uh, it's the guy that did the Green Knight. And I was like, you're right. <laughs> so he's like, no, 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 really. Uh, he, he said he would be willing to work with us. And then I said immediately, yeah, wait till he sees the film. And then let's see what his answer is. Like, he did see the film, dork. That's why he said he was willing to do it. I was like, oh, yeah. well, that's nice. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, I mean, and that's a case of me just reaching out to somebody I saw on Instagram that works on these huge films with like Ryan Reynolds and all these people. Yeah. And I reached out and I said, hey. Well, we, we did pay him. We should yeah, of course, like, we paid him, yes. We did yes. pay him, of course. But, but it was, it was, I assumed. But yeah. I just assumed even even with payment, he'd be like, I don't have time for yeah. this. You know? But it's, you know, it's a thing where he was in this kind of, you know, we love him, but this this kind of the experience we've had with a lot of the this is that, you know, he saw that the film wasn't wasn't horrible and that we put a lot of <laughs> hey my film's not great we but put it's a not lot horrible. of work into it to make it look as be- as best as it could and and the story was very we were passionate about the story and all this stuff and that stuff comes through and then they can see that and so when you have fellow um, artists that want to like kind of I don't know what the word would be like harvest or or kind of like be involved in that you know, helping people out because they were there once too, Yes, you know? And yes. so a hundred percent that. And I think it's also like you're, you're, well, we'll put it this way too. Like a short film that's even asking for a colorist is already kind of setting themselves apart from a lot of other short films yeah. because a lot of people will try, do not understand how much 
um, uh, colorist bring yeah. to a yeah. project. They really think it's just sort of like evening things out or whatever. Um, I was really lucky on the apology that my DP, Jack Caswell, is also a super gifted colorist and mm-hmm. was the colorist for our film as well. And it's like, but it's so it's it's so interesting to see what's possible. So I think, it, uh, you know, a colorist being contacted, they're probably already like, oh, you were paying attention to what I made. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's very flattering. Mm-hmm. And it's also like very exciting that somebody's like we want to make this thing like can you help us and the thing i always say to people too is like you know if you want to ask somebody something like that then you can also if they seem hesitant say um, you know no pressure if you also know somebody else who might be interested yes you know because again that's building out community too right like everybody kind of needs to be working on things so you never know yeah and And not only that like part of having the the podcast that's come from it is that like we've had guests on and then as we're going through our projects, I'm like, you know what? I can ask that, you know, I was afraid I, I, before we got to the, our current colorist before that I had reached out to uh, Jonathan Quartas, uh, who did um, my heart can't beat until you tell it to uh, that mm-hmm. horror movie. It was great. We yeah. had him on the show and watched that movie. And I was like, Oh, it's great. And I reached out. And I was like, you know? I was like, I'm so sorry, but I just wanted to ask if you know any colors. And he's like, he's always super cool. He's just like, absolutely. Like, let me know if you have any questions. And you're like, Oh, okay. Like yeah. I, I wasn't bothering, you know, I wasn't you bothering know, this guy. You know, there's so much, there's so many stories about sort of, uh, you know, gatekeeping or whatever, but mm. I feel like that's the kind of thing that certainly happens, but most of my experience has been quite the opposite. Like people are very like, if you approach them as a person and you're being respectful and you're being specific about what you would like, most of the time, if they're not swamped, like folks are down, you know? Yeah. 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 And it's, it's. And who doesn't like to talk about themselves? You know what I mean? If you ask to, if you're calling. I know I do. I, I know I do. You know, you get me in the right circumstances and I'll, I, I, I won't shut up. But it's, you know, even, you know, so I think there's this, uh, you know, when there's that thing about like no good deed is truly altruistic because you enjoy doing it or whatever. And so I think that's, yeah. there is something to that where some people love to help just to help and some people love to help to feel superior either way you're getting the help works for me yeah so um well it's it's also it's just it's so nice to be able to like pay things forward like Mm -hmm. um you know all the therapies that my daughter went through all the help that she had it was always nice to then go talk to new therapists or families whose kids were just diagnosed or any of these other things my husband and i do a podcast about that called sensory overload plug nice um and uh, put a link to that below yep Oh, thank you very much. Uh, and the, and it was always so uh, moving to feel like uh, all the hard stuff that you go through, you know, as a parent or as a filmmaker or anything, right? The idea that you can then try to pay that forward and like lessen somebody else's mm-hmm. sort of yeah. um, hardship or journey, like that's so um, meaningful. And yeah, it absolutely makes you feel good. It's like, don't you know, you donate to a cause and you're like, aren't I so sweet and generous? <laughs> yeah. But you're, but really the primary thing is like, then you have participated in society, right? Right. You have participated in your community. And that is what we all should be doing. Right. Yeah. And yeah. I think artists especially have a real, um, uh, urge to do that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, um, tell me a bit about the, the, the casting process, I guess for you, how did you, how did you wind up with this cast? Did you know them or did you have them in mind? Yes. Uh, so this was a, a process. So we basically what happened is that we got this this deal with the company and with RLJE Films that was what what folks sometimes called cast contingent. So basically, like we love your script, we love you, we want you to direct it, we love your producing team. 
now you it's too uh it's so weird and small so go get cast that people will recognize and then we will <laughs> sure. give you the money to make the movie mm-hmm. so it was helpful because we could say to cast we have a deal here we just need you to say yes so that makes it a lot easier mm. and uh basically what happened is the producing team knows a lot of, they have more connections in terms of being able to send offers to agents and they had a few actors that they could send directly, but mostly they they sent it through through agents. With uh, with Anna, she was on Breaking Anna Gunn is right. the lead in the film. She was uh she was on Breaking Bad and Deadwood and a whole bunch of other things. But Breaking Bad is a big part of the AMC universe. RLJ Films is part of the AMC universe. Oh, okay, okay. And so they were very excited to have anybody that was on that show, especially somebody so talented. And so they um they were excited about her and suggested her. She was not on my idea. I can't take credit, but I was absolutely like right on it. I was like, sure, hell yeah. yes, Skyler, and, uh, of course. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes, I was like, oh my gosh, yes. It was it was a wild experience to be like, oh, these act- some of these actors I would never even thought of because they're so incredible, mm. and um, and you know for various other reasons, just your brain will sort of think of people in certain ways. But um, so yeah, so we got her, uh, sent an offer through her agent, and then she they contact they basically I read wrote like a cover letter. Here's why I think you would be great in the part. Who here's who the fuck I am. Um, here's <laughs> right. how I kind of generally picture the movie that isn't on the page already. Uh, to give a little bit of a hint, and it came so the she got the script, the cover letter, and a pitch deck, and uh, reviewed all of that, and then contacted me, and we had a Zoom, and there we go, nice. and uh, and then. Um, with Linus, he had worked with the producing team before on Mandy. He was the cult leader in Mandy, um, mm-hmm. which is a wonderful, really hardcore horror film if you haven't seen that one yet. And uh, in the horror world, it's like so revered. But I have to remember sometimes if I'm not on a horror podcast, that, like not everyone has seen that movie. Um, it was Nick Cage, right? Yeah, it was yeah. Nick Cage. And he is, uh, Linus is just one of my favorite humans on the planet. And he... Uh, I had not thought of him initially because I had been a fan of his since he's an Englishman. So I knew him as like playing this like debonair guy and Mm. wings of the dove and things like that. And even though I knew so much of his other work, I just forgot, you know, that's kind of what I mean about not thinking of people in that context. Sure. So he he was their idea, but I was like, yes, you're so smart. Uh, Yes, please. And so same thing, cover letter, all all that stuff. And he, he zoomed me and we were like halfway through the meetings and he's like, you know, I was going to think about this more, but, yeah, no, I'm in. And I was like, this is amazing. It was just one of those moments where you meet somebody and you're just like that, you know, uh, that can- that connection is so clear. Mm-hmm. Like you mm-hmm. want to make the same kind of movie. You have really similar tastes. Um, he's just a total sweetheart. And uh, so that's how we had Linus. And then Janine was my idea, actually. I, I, uh, I really wanted somebody who was really funny and uh, really warm. That was such and a surprise when she popped up on screen. I'm like, is that Janine girl? <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. But I wanted somebody like that because she doesn't get a lot of time to show that side of herself. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. I kind of wanted somebody that had that sort of loaded history in a good way yeah. of like showing to the audience, like this is like, uh, this is a true blue, like wish, wish of a friend. Uh, but she has to be quite still and quiet for so much of the film. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted you to kind of just inherently know that she, had all of that in her Mm -hmm. yeah and um she was so lovely she called me up and she hadn't even finished the script she's like i love your letter 
I love what I've read. I just want to make this movie. Like, but I want to talk to you about dates. She was very like yeah. <laughs> practical. She's the only one who just called me out of the blue. She just called me on a Friday night. And I was just like, I don't have any friends in New York. Why is someone calling me? Right. I don't right. have no friends. But like most of my friends are more West Coast. Yeah. And uh, and so I was like, it's not Janine Garofalo. And I picked up and she's like, Allison, this is Janine Garofalo. <laughs> yeah. I was like, that's a moment. Yeah. But so, she was so supportive. Like mm-hmm. she's she's great, and she's so much fun to work with, and um, so much energy, and one of the biggest brains I've ever met. Like just constantly worrying, you know. Also, maybe all the Red Bulls. She drinks a lot of Red Bulls. <laughs> <laughs> so is there is there a? I, I know this would be the case for me. Um, so I'm going to project onto you a little bit. But like, is there ever a case where you're like, <laughs> I'm about to give Anna Gunn a note? And, you know, and it's like, yeah. yeah, she's been in Breaking Bad. She's an amazing actor. But like, is there is there is there any kind of um, I don't want to say like shyness, but like some a little bit of reserve sure. to, to doing that sort of thing? I think absolutely. I think um, funny enough, it didn't really happen to me as much until we got to set. And then there were definitely moments where I felt intimidated. But it was like you you just have to remember it's like this is the, your your job is to um, uh, I used to feel very shy about the word vision. I used to feel very yeah. silly about it. Yeah. And um, and I think there is a little bit of a difference almost between the, the use of a director's vision on a short film versus a feature. Because on a feature, you have to communicate with so many people. Mm-hmm. There's so many more people usually to communicate than mm-hmm. you do on a short. And certainly the shorts that I made were usually quite DIY, my own money. I never raised money for a short. I always just used my own resources which were you know not much Mm -hmm. but um so to go from that to then you're communicating that to everybody it becomes uh it's like oh this is the job is to constantly remember to go okay i know you're in a gun (laughs) (laughs) but we need this scene to be in 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 this sort of tone because we're building her arc Right. And so we have to make sure we're not starting from a super sad place and then building to sad. You know, it's like we have to kind of, you know, think about the overall picture and that that's my job to do that. Her job is to be fantastic in that moment, to be mm-hmm. real in that moment. Yeah. You know, but like my job is to look at that bigger picture. So even though it feels very strange, like who the fuck am I? I definitely right. struggled with that. I think everyone who, who makes their so. first feature struggles, especially if you get the fortune of working with really veteran actors. Yep. It's like it's absolutely intimidating. You want especially if you want to be collaborative like I am. Yeah. It's like you. it's really tricky to be like, OK, I want to be really collaborative, but I have to remember like what they really mostly need from me is to uh, to be guiding them and helping them keep in mm-hmm. mind yeah yeah. yeah i think like it's um it's i mean we've, we've talked to a few actors on this podcast as you can imagine and, and um a lot of them describe it as a very kind of blue collar job right it's like mm-hmm. they're there to kind of serve the story and mm-hmm. so they're very accepting of of notes and direction and and stuff like that you know as long as you know as long as like you have that conversation prior right so they know that you're going in any note that you give sure. them is you know, to serve the story, not because you want it or you don't, you know, like them or any of that sort of stuff. So, but there's still that back of your mind thing where you're like, I'm about to give a note to somebody. <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, I, funny enough, I, th- I think I especially did struggle with that with Anna, but I think it's like, um, I think also just because that character is, a, there's, there's not a lot of specifics that are me, but there's a lot of like the emotional stuff that I, that I, um, that I related to. Mm-hmm. And so there was a little strangeness. Uh, I write a lot of personal stuff, even though it's usually sort of metaphorical. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there is a little bit of strangeness to be like, you're not my doppelganger. You're not my shadow or whatever, but there is a little bit of that. 
you know, whereas it was a little bit easier for me to feel like, um, uh, I don't know how to put it exactly, that it was a little bit more of the work when mm-hmm. it came to yeah. uh, Linus and Janine. Yeah. 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 I think also it, it's, I mean, of course, uh, there there's no shortage of, of actors that that will be difficult, I guess, or say, or, or, or assume that their status would, uh, you know, perhaps make them exempt from being directed. Uh, that you hear horror stories, but I think that more times than not, even even seasoned actors are looking for that guidance because there's so many avenues you can go down as an actor, and to have somebody sort of narrow that down and go, oh no no, you're going this way, and I, I I'm actually hoping for you to go this way, and it's that's been one of the biggest issues that we've had on set because Paul is our DP and he's usually our director. He can't be a full-time DP and a full-time director on set. And so then the director part starts to slip. And then I'm like halfway through a film and I'm like, I haven't been directed. <laughs> like, you know, and, and I'm yeah. like, shit, this I, is, I and then think... there's no going back. Cause it's like, all right, we already filmed that. And so then I start having to direct myself and my co-stars and, you know, and that's, you want that. You want somebody to go, cause you don't know what's happening. You're the one, who, you know, so you're, you're behind the scenes yeah, watching everything. That's... So we don't know what's going on. Yeah, I think that's, I, I think we've all seen that. And I think we've all made that mistake. I mean, I think that's a really, really common thing that, that can happen where you're forgetting pieces of the job. And one of the, the most important pieces yeah. is yeah. communicating You can only wear so, so many hats, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I think that's also where it comes to, like, whenever you're making a film, you really, that prep period is like, so much of that is also working out what your system of communication is and really having mm-hmm. that unlock and really like, and then checking in with each other you know, several times a day to be like, is there any adjustment that we need to make? We need to all be in this conversation so that that is, is, is sorted out because it is like, it's very crucial. Um, and the times that I haven't done this and I've certainly, like I say, I've made this mistake too. It's like, uh, the, the times that I haven't done a sort of like, you know, a sort of check-in right before and a check-in right after it's, it just makes everything harder. Mm-hmm. It's like, just, yeah. just be community, you know, the most important thing in that moment. Cause crew is used to waiting for a feedback. You know, they're yeah. not, they didn't just cliff dive. Right. You know? Right. So like you have to go, you're good. You didn't drown. Cool. All right. And then give me one second. We can talk about it a bit more, but I want to make sure that the camera is doing what I need the camera to do. Mm-hmm. Cause that's going to take longer or whatever. Uh, but just at least kind of, you know, acknowledging dude, thanks for the cliff dive, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Was there anything, um, this seems like such a, a, an elementary question, but I find it to be so important because every set we've had some issue, right? Something always happens on of our course, last set. Yes. And it's like, oh, oh, these labs aren't working all of a sudden. They just don't want to. That's cool. Uh, we have no way of fixing that. So let's figure it out. Um, and we find that everyone we've spoken to has said, well, so here's what happened on this day. Um, and so it oh, was sure. find that helpful. Like what was there anything that what hurdle, I guess, was the biggest for you that you just went like, did not expect? <laughs> well, that on day shit. one, yeah. <laughs> it was literally all the time. We had it was a very hard shoot. I mean, everybody was great. They worked very hard, but it was like it's very intense material. It was and my you first had the snow, like you had, yeah. yeah. We had snow, but we made it mostly in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. so it was like snow effects. We had literally a business came out called the Snow Business, and that was really amazing to me. <laughs> 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 and uh, we did we did one day. Our first day of shooting was the one day we did in Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. And we're on our we get to Wisconsin. My DP and my line producer and I it was very just small. And we did local crew. Uh, and we get a call from the producer like, OK, Janine is stuck in New York, so she's not going to make it. Oh, <laughs> so wow. cool. We don't have our actor like yeah. to begin with. It wouldn't snow. It rained. 
you know? And so it's like, it costs us all this money. It was just like one thing after another. I mean, there were like a bunch of personal things that were going on with folks too, that were mm-hmm. just like, wow, this was, you know, but it was also just like lots of little, I mean, everybody was amazing, but it's just like some sets you really are just like, you've got a few little problems, whatever. And it was like, this one was just like, they just kept being stuff and it mm-hmm. wasn't, everybody's on the ball it's just the way the movie gods work sometimes right. like yep. one scene it took us like an hour to get to shoot or more because the phone in the kitchen wouldn't stop falling off the wall like when that scene where she has to pick the phone up and, right. and try she, you know it would not stop falling off the wall the art department's like what it was working and they kept <laughs> trying to fix it and it just kept falling and, and like they and it took like so long just to get the phone to stay on the wall so you, it's just like it's almost never the thing like you do so much prep mm-hmm. you try to be so thoughtful and keep your communications up and all that stuff and there's always something where you're like it's a goddamn phone falling off the yep. wall. right yep right you know our art department were superheroes and yet here we go yeah <laughs> you know like there's just things that happen it was a really nice i liked the location though because i liked the house the way everything was set up you know it just had like the house looked like it was sprawling but at the same time it was really intimate like all the scenes were really intimate yeah oh great thank you yeah that was a that art department did so much incredible work on that house because it's a beautiful craftsman it's in los angeles Mm. uh and funny enough a block from where i used to live with my daughter when she was a baby and Mm. uh, so i thought that was kind of ironic i had a lot of specific things that i wanted about that house i really wanted it to be a character on its own Mm -hmm. and i really wanted it to kind of tell you about this whole life that she had lived with her daughter that you know it's sort of like i like to call it an unofficial haunted house film Mm -hmm. and so we really wanted to be super specific about that and we also had some challenges with that house in that there's an awful lot of doors in that house (laughs) but it's a movie about being confined together and so uh, tom obed who was our fantastic production designer uh and his team his art department uh built like book a lot of times if you see a bookcase in that movie there's a door behind it (laughs) oh okay there's a lot of those kinds of builds where it's just like like we didn't build the house or anything but it's like you know there would be just these little things where it's like okay put a wall there because it's actually a bedroom but we want it to feel like a hallway you know Mm -hmm. like just a lot of that kind of stuff. And it was uh, one of the most gratifying things I've heard from folks is they're like, man, that house feels really specific. And I'm like, yeah. great. Yeah. And yeah. I would have never thought that bookcases weren't where they originally were or had been or were, never existed. I mean, it just it, it just had a good Movie flow magic. to it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, the beautiful, it's beautiful. Uh, you know, so it's how, that's how that works. Even the basement, too, you know, going yeah, down yeah. into the basement scene. And, um, you know, it's just uh, it, it was it's funny because, you know, I, I, of course, think of Anna Gunn as, as Skylar. I always will. There's always those actors that that's how you discover sure. them. And then you always think of them that way. Um, and it was really interesting, you know, the basement scene, not really knowing where she was going to go with that, you know, because it's like yeah. there's a you want her to go in one direction. And then there's a and so I didn't expect her to go where she was going with it. I just thought, oh, she's going to kill this guy. But maybe not. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, good. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I kind of wanted to play with is like uh, I was really interested in the idea of I'm always really interested in the idea of somebody being in a sort of extraordinary circumstance, but doing um, I feel like something a little more relatable than we usually see. It's like mm-hmm. the idea that you would be in an extraordinary circumstance and you don't already have a plan. Right. You're like, right. what do I do with this insane opportunity, if yeah. that's the right word, yeah. of having yeah. this guy tied up in my basement? Right. <laughs> yeah. And then there's always what we assume we would do. Sure. The knee-jerk right. reaction Versus, of would like, would you really? Yeah, yeah right. would you I, really do that? I I never really believe people when I hear them say like I would just kill him. 
I feel like obviously some people would, but I feel like a lot of times when it comes to um, justice or revenge or whatever word you want to use, I feel like I, I always hear from people. I just want people to hear me. I just want to know. I just want to know, you know, like I just want to connect. I want to know what's going on, why that happened, you know, things like that, as opposed to necessarily like I want to cut, cut his dick off, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. Which can be fun in its own way. I like those way. movies too. I like those <laughs> movies too. Yeah, it serves its purpose in its own way. <laughs> yeah, but yes. I, but I yeah. think that's what 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 I liked so much about the film is that, like, you know, we talk about it a lot on the show about genre films because I'm a huge sci-fi nerd, and so but the, but but some of my favorite films in any genre are the films that you can take the genre out of it and there's still sure. a story to tell Same. there, you know, and so that's what I I really liked about it is that. You know, there's there's a there's a there's a story down there that's really like important and powerful and and everything and and I think that um, I don't know I love that when I'm watching you know spaceships and stuff and I'm like oh my god there's this whole world there's this whole conflict and there's these characters that have meaning and relationships and development and stuff and so that's um, development and stuff and stuff yeah that's well i mean think about why the alien movies are so popular i mean obviously the design and everything is so staggering but when it comes right down to it it's ripley yeah Yeah. you know it's ripley's story and Mm -hmm. it's especially that ripley's story was happening at a time that we didn't have a lot of you know um interesting flawed uh female characters in sci-fi that way you know like still arguably still don't yeah (laughs) i don't think we do yeah Yeah. and that's a personal mission yeah i would love to make something that's you know in the in the spirit of the the ripley tradition you know Yeah. Yeah. yeah and i think like i know that like Ripley's become I I mean I have her Funko up r- right above me over here. Uh you know she's become she's become uh you know the face for that but I think what's so great about those movies is that she she starts to not become the focus, right? It's just it like the, the fact that she's a woman. It's just like you can watch 100%. those movies and it's just her go like yeah. that that could have yeah. could have been a guy, could have been a woman, doesn't matter. You know, it's it's just like she became the pioneer for that just because we didn't have any other yeah. uh, any other examples of that really. I mean, then we had uh, uh, Terminator and then, you know, so we got Linda and, you know, stuff like that. And then Kill Bill for me was a big one. And, then, you know, you got stuff like that. And so but there's in comparison, not even close to nearly as many heroines that you have that are, that are female. But what the thing about Ripley is that, you know, it's just. There's so much action that it wasn't about like, oh, this woman who's leading this ship. It was just like, we have got to get off the ship. It wasn't even the focus anymore. You know, it was just like. Yeah, it wasn't. But it was also like a clear flavor of it. Part of the reason they're not listening to her as much as they should have is because she's a woman. Right. Like the like the Silence of the Lambs thing, too. It's like I always think of that um, that moment where she gets in the elevator Mm -hmm. and uh, and it's all these tall yeah, and Men. she's so tiny. Yeah. And she's this tiny woman, and she's like, whatever, I'm still standing in front of all of you guys, but I am acknowledging my yes. brain yes. how intimidating this can feel. Right. Yeah. Or when she that. tells the officers to yeah. go along now. I'm the judge. <laughs> yeah, go along now. Go along now. <laughs> and that incredible voice she does for that movie. But yeah, I could nerd about that movie for seven hours. Yeah. <sighs> I feel so like it, 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 when you deal with any, and it's not, it does, to me anyway, as, as just like your uber typical white male like anytime there's any you know woman or person of color or any of that sort of stuff that is in a lead or whatever that becomes the sole focus of everything whereas i almost feel like 
almost to a pandering effect. Yeah, exactly. Right? Like, and so I, I don't know how to balance that because I, maybe there's some overcorrecting we need to do to get to a point where it doesn't matter what the, the gender or whatever of the person is. Um, but I just feel like these days it's like they they it's like here's your here's your woman film. So now, you know, uh, versus, you <laughs> versus just putting a woman in the lead of a film right. sort of thing, you know? Yeah, well, it's interesting, right? Because uh, I think there is so much reductiveness that happens around that. But yeah. I also, and I definitely hear like some female directors will be like, don't call me a female director. Right. I'm a director. For me, I, but I think this is a personal feeling thing. For me, it's also like so much of my stuff is about the female experience, mm-hmm. about my like female POV on things. Mm-hmm. And so for me, that is a big part of this sort of, you know, um, proverbial DNA of whatever I'm making. I ma- I write a lot about, you know, being a mom. I write a lot about, um, you know, best girlfriends and things mm-hmm. like this. And mm-hmm. so it's like, that's a big part of what I'm, what I'm doing, but there's plenty of women who are directors who make stuff that doesn't really have as much to do with that mm-hmm. and wouldn't maybe want to be lumped in in that way. But I also, I feel like it's, it's almost like, you know, any label is a, is like the golden ticket to access uh, in some ways, you know, it's like if it will get people to watch it because you said um, female director, great. Watch the movie. Yeah. (laughs) There's a lot of that in whatever gets your ass in the seat. Yeah. There's a lot of that in film (laughs) festivals too, where like you can tell they're, they're saying it without saying it. It's like, were there any women that were involved in this production? Was there a, female dp and you're like oh is that what oh, no. is that what you want me to push like okay <laughs> well i am a well, female and also so. well and also because it is that also kind of goes back a little bit to the shyness thing we were talking about because it's sort of like whatever makes you sort of um you right mm-hmm. like whatever uniqueness you might have mm-hmm. um we all have it's like highlight that why not because they are you know representation is so important that's just healthy for for humans to you know see themselves depicted in some form in art so talking about like you know uh hey you know we have this this uh this many folks you know people of color or this many women or whatever else like queer folks on our on our crew or in our cast or what the story is about it helps everybody kind of make sure that we're you know because we're still struggling so much for balance of that representation it's still yeah. so far 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 behind for as much as we talk about it the statistics are still horrifying mm-hmm. i mean what is yeah. it like seven percent of of uh of theatrically released films are directed by women seven percent that's yeah. insanity you know yeah. like so i and again i could be getting the number wrong but i don't think but I'm it's far. wicked low yeah it's, it's low whatever yeah. it is yeah, yeah. it's low and just just in going to to film festivals when we go to film festivals there's a lot of women there so i'm like that seems yeah so no, it's, it's not that there's a shortage of women in the business because yeah, there's well, there's plenty of them here well, there's, there's certainly less um but i feel like that's you know that's because opportunity is yeah, exactly. not yeah exactly yeah, yeah. yeah. that's yeah. but that's what's making me feel more hopeful about it is i feel like more and more whenever i go to festivals or whenever i'm watching stuff or i'm meeting more filmmakers i meet more and more and more women and people of color, more queer folks, more folks with just, you know, from different economic backgrounds, like Mm -hmm. just different, a lot more of that is happening in the indie scene. And so I feel like that's hope, you know, we just have to keep pushing and keep saying to folks, you know, a lot of times 
producers or executives will be like, yeah, but what, you know, have they worked at this level? You'll hear that a lot. Right. And, and that's the part where it's like, you have to sometimes give folks a chance to get up to that level Yeah. and you have to take that risk. So I, my producers were incredible in that they did that with me. They took this big risk. They took somebody who had, had not, um, who had not even written a feature that had been made, let alone written and directed one. And they they gave me this incredible opportunity, and that's how you do it. And then they were like, "Now all of your heads of department need to have worked on lots of features because right. that that was what made them feel comfortable." Mm-hmm. Whereas on other films, I hope in the future, then I can kind of return that that you know pay that forward, mm-hmm. and you know maybe hire a, a head of department or two that hasn't had as much experience yeah, or right. more, you know, like uh, it, and just kind of keep an eye on your um, on the people you're working with and go when you know have I been rigorous enough about this? Yes, you know. Yeah, we felt I f- I say this often on the show when we watch something, you know, we watch something like uh, I'll use Oppenheimer for instance because we saw that recently, and I, every time like David O. Russell who I think is crazy and problematic, but, uh, you know, (laughs) he makes a good movie. I'll give him that. Art and artist, we have to separate those two. But one thing that kind of drives me nuts is that it becomes like a celebrity smorgasbord, right? And then it's just like, I can't focus on the characters because I'm wondering what next celebrity is going to pop up when familiar A-listers popping up in the scene. There's too many of them in here. And, and And so when we watch stuff like Oppenheimer that I'm just going like every scene, it was like, Yep, that's a familiar. Fa- oh, that's the guy from. Oh, that's the. Fa- you know, and then I go, it's such a small part. Could you not have offered that to somebody who could have used that exposure? You know, because they didn't do anything crazy in it. Right, it's a very small. It's a very small character to play, yeah. and what an amazing opportunity that would have been for. Uh, you know, an unknown to have been able to been in, in a Nolan film and be like, holy shit, you know, <laughs> and, and think of how many he can catapult people. In that way, I guess it just it, it not to mention it just becomes distracting for me sometimes when it's just like there's too many familiar faces in this scene. It's just too many for me. Uh, That's but, so interesting. I've never thought heard of it. Um, I've never heard or thought of it as as that sort of thing being distracting. That's really yeah. It distracts me. me. I don't know why. Like yeah. every time I watch something, I'm like, I know too many of these people. I guess because being an indie, it's like I love nothing more than when we watch a movie and I don't know the actors. Or the director, yeah. right? Just like, oh, I, I'm not familiar with this director. I'm not familiar with these going actors. Going in blind, yeah. You go in, in blind, yeah. and you go Wild West. Jeez, yeah. that they were great. That actors, how are they not more famous? Like, how are they? You know, well, th- this is crazy. And then but, you look them up, and you go, they've been acting for ten years. Like, oh, they they did this thing and this thing, but they were phenomenal. And then you kind of see them. There's a lot of people that we've watched when they were starting out, and then we see these actors blossom, and then they're working with big directors, and we're like. It's like as if we knew them somehow. We're so excited for them, you know. Because... Of course, yeah. You pull. Well, that's part of being a fan, right? Yeah. That's part of the fun of it. Is like you know buying into having a buy-in on somebody's work, mm-hmm. and then being like being like a cheerleader. That's that's the and that's a big part of you know we talk about the negativity of social media so often, but one of the positives is the access to folks that whose work you admire, and you can tell them what it means to you, mm-hmm. and they can take that in. And I'll tell you, like just even at the you know my movie's not tiny but it's pretty tiny and it's like just hearing from folks has meant the world i mean it's an unfathomable amount of work to make a movie so hearing that people like it is really very moving and feeling like people are like i can't wait to see what you do next and like that cheerleading is really beautiful but going back to what you're saying about a movie like oppenheimer you know i i feel like um this is something directors talk about a lot where it's like 
what kind of feel do you want for the movie? Like, do you want to, to feel like for me, I really liked Oppenheimer and I really like, I like some movies, <clears throat> excuse me. I really like some movies where they go, uh, real full in on the like super cast. Mm-hmm. It's kind of what I like jokingly call it. Um, <laughs> Where it's just like, geez, like um, the guy who just won an Oscar a couple of years ago has like one scene and, you know, like it's like it's just kind of crazy that way is that I feel like it versus the idea of purposely casting unknowns because it is a little more of an immersive experience. Uh, I think something with a super cast is, is especially can be helpful for me in my mind for things like this where it's like about really famous important or you know uh, momentous Mm. achievers you know like everybody that's depicted in this movie is a landmark figure you know like every single one of those people was a big part of this huge uh moment in scientific history and obviously you know in uh horrific murder (laughs) but but scientific history (laughs) and and so but i mean it's it was a huge it's one of the biggest you know ethical moral quandaries mm. of our of, of history right like uh this is a pandora's box that you know perhaps never should have been opened or maybe it should have been but it was handled badly you know it's like depending mm-hmm. on how you that's yeah, the inter- yeah. one of those eternal questions so casting you know juggernauts for me felt very appropriate but i i'm definitely not countering it like you're wrong in that respect it's just interesting to hear how you know those choices that we make as directors, you know, casting is one of the most, if not the most important one because it is like setting a tone. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. And that was part of the thing that was interesting thing, learning about um, casting, especially I'd obviously done a lot of casting on shorts and helped other people with theirs, but doing it at the level where you're doing offer only, you're not doing um, auditions. You don't Mm -hmm. really have a chance. You have a chance to meet with them and that's about it. It's like you are thinking a lot about the different flavor that each actor will bring to it. And part of it is like if you're known, if people know who you are, then you have that baggage for better or worse. And you can sculpt it in the kind of way that I talked about with Janine. Or you can also just say we're going to have every single one of them be this, you know, uh, like every single one of them is some incredible character actor. It's like Macon Blair's in there for some scenes. Like Macon Blair, who's like one of the greatest actors of our time. But he's not a mega movie star. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just, I think that's, that's really interesting. Whereas like, you know, sometimes folks who are very big directors will purposely cast an unknown in a part to make sure you have no baggage on that character. Yeah. I uh, mean, I think I kind of always also like when I'm watching, um, you know, a a heavy hitter actor, I guess you'd say, and, and it's a big film and then they're, they're acting alongside somebody who I'm not familiar with. I sort of become really invested in that because I'm like, who the hell is sure. this? You know what I yeah. mean? I mean, because they're in this scene with this person. Like they That's have, exciting. like they yeah. belong there, you know? And, and I'm, I'm very invested in that. And um, yes, I guess, I guess it's just the way it's, it's a different way. Everybody's brain kind of works differently with it. But I, I sort of like, I, I have a, a familiar face celebrity like limit in my brain. And then after <laughs> I, it cuts off and I'm like too many, that's too yeah. many. <laughs> like, we well, we hit 10 create... and I'm done. That's it. <laughs> I feel like too many too many super celebrities in a movie does kind of make it a it's a it's more stylized instantly. Like I think there is like right. a little less of a possibility of a real grounded feel. I think Coen Brothers sometimes succeed with that, even though you know, mm. excuse me, like some of their stuff is quite you know stylized. But some some movies like No Country for Old Men, where there's so many incredible known actors in that movie, and yet they have worked so hard to kind of. Um, uh, 
you know, not embrace that part of it. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. to really kind of be messy I think it d- and sweaty. It depends on the characters that. too, right? I mean, if yeah. they're, you know, if, if you're playing this character that is against type, I guess, you know, or whatever, you know, if Emily Blunt's playing a serial killer, you know, you know, where it's like so- something that you're not I'd used to. I'd like, I'd like to play, I'd like to place my order. Yeah. yeah I was yeah, going to yeah. say, I'd, I'd pay to see that. So I think a lot, of, but you know, when they're, yeah, I kind of feel the same way um, with, with a lot of celebrities, but I, but I, I feel like, so, and I think that is another negative side of social media, right? Is where we see these people all over the place all the time. So we get to kind of, not know them, but we get to to see them in interviews and and yeah out to dinner or whatever. So now you're disassociating them mm-hmm. from the art, and so now when they come to the film, like you said, they bring yeah. that baggage. You're with thinking them about so. that funny video that they did. Where, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I I know that's uh, I know quite a few actors that I've met along you know recently through this film and stuff that that have said like, oh, I'm not on social media, or I'm very limited on it because I don't want to put all of that on top of whatever I'm playing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 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 It's funny you say that actually, because one person I always do that with is Tom Holland, because I just think of him dressing up as a Rihanna. Oh, right. (laughs) On the battle, you know, and I'm like, I always think of it. Like he nailed it. Right. But I'm like, I always think of that. (laughs) Which is so funny because most people think Spider-Man, but you're like, that time that he dressed up as Rihanna. Yeah. Well, like (laughs) even as Spider-Man, I'm like, oh yeah, it's Tom Holland and Spider-Man. It's the Rihanna kid Remember when he did, no, no, no. Like I knew, I knew him, but but I'm saying I always go back to that. You know what I mean? Where I'm like, oh, remember when he dressed up as Rihanna and then like the rain came down everything. (laughs) I did the thing. And and this is the kind of stuff that I, that I talked to about with my actor friends too, because of course, you know, part of the nice thing of community is that you all talk about what you're, you, where you're coming from in your process, right? And how that can be prote- perhaps helpful to your your colleague in a different position, right? So I say, like, I've talked to my actor friends, like, you know, keep in mind, like, obviously there's there's talent and there's diligence and there's, you know, hard work and everything. But it's also just like some of the decisions that we make as directors are based on things that you don't really have any control over in mm-hmm. terms of just like kind of what I was saying in terms of like, the, the sort of flavor that you give off, the history that you have, everything that is you is, uh, you know, that's all important to us kind of crafting what our story is, mm-hmm. you know? Like if you, if, if you are, um, if you are a, um, I'm trying to think of a good example, but like if you are a mom and you're playing a mom, it's not 100% going to be the case, but very often you're going to bring some weird specifics to it that you might not have brought if you aren't a mom in real life right and if you want to play if you want somebody to play a mom who is unsure of herself and um is or you know is reluctant then maybe it is smarter to hire somebody who isn't one Mm. you know like those kinds of things like thinking about that stuff i think um most directors especially more thoughtful ones i think that you take all of that into account you know but at the end of the day i'm like um do i believe this person in this part right. ultimately you know? yeah 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 it's an instinctual thing yeah yeah is there anything that uh so i mean you you like to kind of stay in the horror genre is there any other genre that you would like to experiment in oh i think all you know i mean i think it's it's um i i think of myself mostly as like a horror thriller sci-fi action kind of person mm-hmm. but i also really love comedy and i i think most of my things apart from the apology funny enough is uh has a whole lot of humor to it 
Uh, so I don't know, maybe one day something that's full on comedy would be fun, but, uh, or drama just, you know, mm-hmm. just, just a straight up grown up drama. Uh, I love that kind of stuff that like sort of, uh, Sydney Lumet, Sydney Pollock, all the Sydneys yeah. <laughs> kind of movies. Yeah. Uh, but I'm a huge, huge, huge cinephile. Like I'm a massive nerd. I, I constantly watching things, uh, and I'm constantly writing about things. So it's, it's a big passion. So for me, it's always just like, is the story moving you enough that you can't help but make it? That's yeah. really kind of what it comes down to. Yeah. Are you working on anything currently? Yeah. Yes, um, but with the strike, mad support, WGA and SAG yeah. strike. Yeah. Um, I'm Heck not yeah. in the guild because I worked for a non-signatory, <laughs> but oh, okay. uh, I hope to be soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've been on the picket line and supporting my um, my scribe and thespian brothers and sisters. And uh, and uh, so I hope that that will be over soon. I hope the AMPTP uh, stops being jackasses and gets <laughs> back to the table so people can work again. Uh, but they... Uh, but I have written a uh, haunted house film that I hope to make next. Nice. But I have I have several other scripts that are finished or very close to. So nice. we'll see like what happens um, when we are allowed to able to go get back to work because yeah. obviously the whole point is sort of supporting the work stoppage but still keeping yourself um, healthy and fresh. Right. Which, right. With, uh, with writing. Yeah. So, yeah. And now that you've now that you've crossed into features, are you still interested in shorts? Oh yes. Would you still do I actually that? I actually just wrote three short scripts last Saturday and I was like I need to figure out I want to make one like immediately really soon mm-hmm. just with friends just to keep yourself uh just to keep yourself fresh and mm-hmm. keep you know keep yourself like uh keep your skills yeah on you yeah. know because there's so much that I'm so proud of about our film and there's also so much that I learned that I I'm anxious to to put back into practice you know like you you learn so much every movie that you make but especially when you make a leap like that so i want to just consider us your friends thank you (laughs) um there you go sweet i wanted to just real quick before we let you go i wanted to kind of pick your brain a little bit about the technical side of everything like sure what led you to choose the camera you chose or the lenses you chose or to light it the way you did and all, and all that sort of stuff. Cause it's, it has like a very kind of, um, uh, ex- I don't want to say expensive look, but it looks, it looks. <laughs> well, thank you. No, that that's a word people well love to use. Yeah. People do love to use and that I word. I always found like, it a it weird. very expensive. I, I always <laughs> found it a strange word. Yeah. And I always found it very weird, but it looks, it looks, it looks great, you know? And so um, I, I'm curious as to what decisions led to that look. Well, I have to give about 95% of the credit to my DP, Jack Caswell, because I am definitely the director who is more story character mm-hmm. production design. But um, basically what I did was I, I compiled a huge uh, file of images and then I whittled those down into a pitch deck and then I also brought some of those over into a Pinterest board, you guys. Yep. And, uh, and uh, I just yeah. I just thought that was really funny because uh, my producer suggested that. She's like, are you on Pinterest? You know, because she's like, because a lot of moms are on Pinterest. She's like, a lot of a lot of directors are now using Pinterest to put their yeah. sort of mm-hmm. inspo boards in yeah, an informal way yeah. just for people to be able to kind of spin through and, and look at something without, you know, needing to, for it to be so super put together um but anyway did all of that talked a lot about comps with jack and uh we talked a lot about like what would our sort of signature comps be or looks um and and that way then he could narrow down for me 
here's the cameras that I think would be most appropriate. And so then he sent me camera tests and, um, uh, that were just online that the companies had made to narrow mm-hmm. it down. Then we went into, um, Oh, forgive me. I can't remember the name of the amazing camera company that we used, but we, uh, but we then, um, went in and tested the lenses and the cameras mm. to get, uh, we knew that we wanted, hold on. I know I have it. <laughs> <laughs> Cause this has been asked a lot and very fair, very fair question. Um, uh, let's see. Cause yeah, oh, as, yeah, as, as I love story yeah. and stuff, but I, I am kind of a, a, a yeah, gear nerd on the side. Okay. So, all right. So here's the gear nerd stuff for you. Okay. We used an Ari Alexa mini LF camera and we used Zeiss Supreme prime lenses. All right. So there you go. Those are the, those are your tech details that I, but did you feel like that, that, that brought a more kind of like warm look to it or was it more yes, like wanted, clinical that you wanted or? No, I wanted more of a warm look. As much as I'm a Fincher freak fan, um, I mm. like a warmer look myself, yeah. or at least I wanted it for this film because I wanted it to sort of lure you in. Mm-hmm. Because obviously they go through extremely cold emotional things or very intense emotional things too. They're in the middle of this weather. And I wanted it to feel very rich. I wanted it to... We talked a lot about... Um, Jack and Tom and I talked about... Um, Douglas Sirk movies mm-hmm. and the way that they have such a rich color palette and they're really like accentuating it. And so I really wanted all of that. And I also really wanted it to look as, you know, uh, as kind of good and expensive as it could for, mm-hmm. you know, uh, a lower budget thing because we really wanted it to feel um, almost op- like just the side of operatic in terms of it respecting these characters, really complex emotions. And so, yeah. To do that, I think we really had to make sure, for me, it felt important that it looked really beautiful and not mm. just um, sort of, uh, I love a lot of these kind of um, uh, grungier kind of indie dramas, but I wanted a little bit of a, more of an uh, uh, of a higher look in that way. Yeah, yeah, but I think, I, I I mean, I love cameras and lenses and gear and stuff, but I, but I do feel like there's no camera or lens that will do what a, a production designer or an art department can do for your image or your DP in terms of lighting, you know? That's the thing. So- I mean, the lighting team on this were just absolute superstars too, because I mean, we were shooting mostly during the day because I didn't want to exhaust everybody. We've all right. done night shoots. Yeah. Um, they make you real squirrely and yeah. it's, it's, you know, there were a few of them anyway, but they, we never did like an overnight mm-hmm. night shoot right. on this. Uh, I actually know the day in Wisconsin was, but other than everything else wasn't that because I do think you have to be really mindful of about, and I don't think filmmakers or the film culture thinks about this enough for my taste, which is you have to be mindful of the like emotional and physical stamina of your people, yeah, sure, we, of your co- colleagues. You know? Yeah. We've done that with our last few films where we'll, we'll just say F it. We're doing, we're putting in an extra day. Because we're not doing like yeah. sixteen-hour days, you know. We just yeah. need, you know, we're at a point where we can kind of control that stuff because it's our money. So, um, we're also unfortunately, not as young as we once were, yeah. So it's like, it, yeah, he would have given them, given yeah. me a, a an overnight shoot, uh, you know, fifteen twenty years ago. I'd have been like, let's do it. I probably would have gone to party right afterwards, and I would have been fine. But I'm just. <laughs> At right. a stage in my life where if I don't get like a solid seven at the very least, I am not going to be happy. And 
um, even with the That's the forty eight hour film project is coming our way, and we signed up finally for the first time, and uh, we signed up realizing that we have no casting crew aside from ourselves. It's just Paul and I. We're just going to attempt it alone. Well, I'm sure we'll um, find we have some one, stuff by We then. have one other actor um, who's willing to just kind of stand by and be either cast or crew, depending on the story, since we don't know what the story, we won't know the story until the day before. Um, but um, uh, one of our friends was like, yeah, you know, make sure you have somebody to drive you back uh, because you're going to be exhausted be so and stuff. And I was like, let me tell you something. If we don't finish in time, that's just life. Okay, that's how I'm looking at this. <laughs> because well, I can't also don't... film for two days straight. Like that, I'm not going to give you anything good if I haven't slept for two days. Yes, like we there have to find too, a way to but... work around this. There is that too, but that also goes to the prep thing, right? Like right. maybe this is one of those opportunities where y'all need to be less shy and be like, "Who else are we going to ask?" You never know, you know. Like ask people who are, don't even usually make movies. Sometimes, you know, oh, we sometimes do. You See, the, the too, problem, you know? the problem with that is that. Everything sounds really fun and cool until it's time to do it. <laughs> we get a lot of like, yeah, oh, yeah, do, I'm in. Let's do, do that. Lot with that. And then right. like as we're getting closer, it's like, um, so do you think that around six o'clock we're going right. to be done? Because I have to go do this thing. I'm like, did we, did we not have this discussion two months ago there's right? a, when yeah, I told you yeah, that I needed yeah. you all day? <laughs> like, Sure. I mean, that's the thing. It's like that's the thing with indie stuff where you're not paying people or you're paying people very little. Like people will – just be like, what do you mean? And that's why it's like, it's always important to lay out those expectations really explicitly. And then, and then sometimes people are still going to be disappointing, but mm -hmm. you know, um, I had a, a great experience on the short film that I made that you can see on YouTube. It's called shh. And it's, uh, can you spell that? yeah, it's, <laughs> it has seven H's because I had to make sure it was the same one. So I put it into when I would put it in film freeway or whatever. Oh yeah. Was. Okay. Oh, yeah. So I'll that. never forget that it has seven H's. Um, <laughs> And, uh, yeah, it, there was a, a friend of mine that I was like, I had confirmed and he was a good actor. I'd worked with him before. And he just that day of, I'm like, where is he? And I call him and he's like, what do you mean? Wow. Um, like completely. He's like, I'm in another state. Oh, sweet. Wow. <laughs> I was like, oh, great. So my sound guy on that movie, um, just stepped into the part. And it was like, but it actually ended up being great because he looked better for it. Ah. Yeah. He was like more game than I think probably the other guy would have been. Like mm -hmm. uh, the other guy's great. It was just, you know, I think because he was sort of like, oh, how fun. I'm never you in front of the camera. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. You know? I want to watch that now and see if I can point, yeah. find uh, the, that's the, the sound guy. Literally, <laughs> there's, there's literally three people in that film. Oh, okay. <laughs> <So. clears throat> Funny enough, most of my scripts are like um, quite ensembles, but yeah, those two movies, uh, The Apology and Shh, are both like three people. <laughs> How close, uh, before we let you go, I know we've had you on a, a while. Um, I just always want to know from, as, as a writer myself, how close to what you imagined it would be. You know, when you write, uh, I, I, I write mm. a script and I've lit this in my brain and sure, sure. I know I've color corrected it in my brain and then the film is made and you're like, huh. And this it's not that crap. it doesn't work, but <laughs> well, you know, sometimes, yeah, yeah, there have been times that I'm like, oh, that's not working for me at all. But, you know, there's other times that you're like, wow, I didn't think that it would look like that. It works. It's just not at all how I pictured it. I would say um, there's definitely a lot of things that changed over mm -hmm. the course of making it. And, and, and in some ways it was, it was, uh, 
that's a beautiful thing you know like uh, you want to keep um as my producer kim sherman kept saying like keep finding your film the process of making a movie is you're finding your film all the time uh and so that's part of what's fun about it for me as opposed to necessarily a pure let's take what's in my brain execute Mm -hmm. it but um but yeah, I think there's still, I'm looking forward to every movie and, and maybe it will even happen on the next one where it's like much more uh, taking what's in my brain and, and, and it's all actually there. But I think it's, um, that takes a lot of, I think that takes a lot of um, luck and practice and mm-hmm. all these other things too. But there's so much of it that was absolutely from my brain. I mean, that, that, um, like I'll give an example of like absolutely from my brain moment and one that I did not picture that way at all, but it really rocks, uh, which is uh, the knock on the door when Jack shows up. That was from mm-hmm. a dream I had. And uh, and so it was literally from the deep recesses of my brain mm-hmm. and watching that happen and then putting it together and then that becoming a central trailer moment. I mean, that was really very moving for me. And, uh, and something I didn't picture that way at all was the scene where um, – where they're sitting in that foyer together and um, and having almost like what I called a um, Cassavetti's moment where it's just like they're screaming at each other mm-hmm. about it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, that was originally three different scenes and uh, all over the house. Oh, and that okay. Began, and, and out of like sort of necessity of time and also like that was an Anna idea was to compile it into one room. And, uh, and that was like that electric stuff where everybody's getting together and using their big brains to come up with how to make something, you know, much more special. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't the inside of my brain in that way, but then it was like, what a wonderful surprise. And, um, yeah. It's the so power it's, it's of collaboration. Like, yeah. Yeah. That's like the beauty of it. When you, I feel like the best stuff is like when you're like, I would never have dreamed of that. Yay. It's better than I would have <laughs> dreamed. And a combination of yay, my my little dreams are coming mm-hmm. true. Yeah, there you are. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's the good stuff. But yeah, I think every I think every director ever is always going to be haunted by something about every film. Yeah. There's nothing yeah. um, like what's that ad that Ron Howard does for Masterclass, where he's like, every film is at some point is going to find their oh, way to break your heart. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And every yeah. director I talk to, it's true. It's just like part of the sickness of being yeah. a ambitious creative. Yeah. You yep. know? Yeah, and then you go to a film fest and you watch your film and you're like, there it is. I hate that shot so much, but that's all we had time for that day. I can't day. do anything about it anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, there's a couple things that were like, that I will not give away because uh, why put it in people's heads? But uh, where it's like, oh man, I just don't think we got away with it. And yet no one's ever said anything to me about it, yeah, but it bothers right. me. Right. Yeah, you know? nobody will obsess about that harder than you. Yeah, right. No yes. one will even notice when they're watching it. But, you know, and that's the part where it's like it's hard to be um, ambitious and generous with yourself at the same time, you know, but that's the struggle. You just keep doing it. That's just life in general, right? You're never going to get it all out of the park, but you're trying to get as close as you can. 100%. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being on. I look forward to The Haunted House. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you. I want to see where that's going. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. uh, I really want to make something legit super scary next time if I can. Yeah. 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 And uh, so we'll have all your links and everything so you can check out Allison's work. And we'd love to have you back when yeah. you're done with The Haunted House. Yeah, when you're house. done with that one. If you're, yes, like, if you're, like if you're not like, oh, God, these guys these again. No, y'all are, y'all are lovely. <laughs> and I and I really appreciate like um, I really appreciate being able to talk about process as much. That's really fun. And, yeah. and comparing that to, 
you know, like what, what it's like with working with different levels of support with different levels of community. So I think that's always a fascinating conversation. So yeah. definitely. thank you so much for having me on y'all. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so that was Allison Starlock. Yes, it was. You should check her movie out. We're going to have the links for everything as well as her podcast. Mm-hmm. So you can check that out, that out as well. Um, really cool talking to her. We talked a bit afterwards. Afterwards, and, well, um, yeah. Like as we usually she's do. She's a great person. Yeah, she's Gen- really good genuinely. to talk to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, sometimes we have people that are like, all right, see you later. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> like, but done. it's always nice when people are like, okay, let's. Uh... Usually people want to stick around and chat because if, yeah, but if you're agreeing to our busy. shenanigans, then, you know, sometimes we're going to. busy like, and they're like, I got yeah. this and I got shit to do. So I, got, uh, I don't have time to answer a got thousand dinner on. questions. Let's go. <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, a, lot, a lot of good information there. We look forward mm-hmm. to seeing her next film and her next project. We hope to follow her career as well. Um, I don't know what's going on next week. I'm glad we finally got a guest. Um, we have a couple film fests that are that are coming up and stuff, yep. so we're gonna have to bank a few things just to maybe we'll see. Yeah. Um, and we do have some other guests lined up. Uh, shout out. Shout outs to Mograph. Shout out to Mograph. And uh, if there's anything you think we should watch, let us know. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll probably be talking about. Uh, so we watched um, the horrors of Dolores Roach. Yes, we did. On Prime. And we said we were going to talk about Barry. We were super late to the yeah. game, but we kind of binged that We to talk about one. Grey House. We still have to talk about the Grey House. Oh, my God. There's a lot of things. Yeah. We've been watching a lot of things. Um, but, yeah, so uh, that's it. And we'll, it'll be a surprise. Next week is a surprise. We know you love that about us. Yes, you do. Bye. Bye.